everybody, welcome to Too Busy to Flush. I'm JR here with my lovely wife, Molly. I mean, unless there's another wife here. <laughs> I have an ugly one. You're my lovely one. No. Speaking of multiple wives, <laughs> I did not know until Lily read in our school fancy illustrated Bible today that Abraham had six kids after Isaac by his concubine Keturah. Did you know Abraham had six more kids after Isaac? After Sarah died? No. I I feel like I've read Genesis a lot and somehow I totally Did he only that. have one concubine? Well, so Hagar or just, was... She's just the one that had all the kids. Well, Hagar was Sarah's maid, right? Who had Ishmael. And then, but God was like, no, no, no. The, the promised seed comes through Sarah. Mm-hmm. So that's Isaac. And then I always... I guess I just have skimmed over what Abraham did after Sarah died because Ishmael and Isaac are the ones that matter. But apparently Abraham had six more kids after he was 100 years old with a concubine. Oh, Abram. <laughs> anyway. Stud. Um, so that was my speaking of multiple wives. Yeah, that's funny. That was a funny intro there. Point Let's of interest. So uh, we're recording this during a, a pinnacle time in American history. The 2020 elections. You know what we're doing? We're not paying attention. <laughs> uh, yeah, and I won't go into why, but... Um, we're not paying attention because we have a life to live. That's true. And, um, and and we believe that there's a God on the throne who supersedes all politics and political parties and races and creeds and all of that stuff. And taking... 30 and, minutes to record a podcast you know, and then going to bed will not change anything. Mm. No, it will be what it will be when we wake up in the morning or in a week when North Carolina stops counting votes. <laughs> it's uh, uh you know or I'm, in twenty twenty two when they're still lawsuiting the election. The election. Yeah. I'm uh, I'm drinking hot tea out of my too busy to flush mug. Oh, the one with the chip in it. Yeah, yeah. It's a really, really good mug, you guys. You should go to our website, too busy to flush dot com <laughs> and buy a mug. Or two. We even have now the People Are Hard and Weird mugs. They're great. Yeah. So are we ready to announce the new podcast you're starting? The new podcast no, I'm yet. starting. Not yet? Okay. I don't know. I'm well, starting right. a new podcast. Yeah, okay. No, we talked about this. She's Molly's got a new podcast coming with a friend. Oh. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. yeah. And okay. they're about moved here to Billings. Huh. Well. Yeah. We'll I'm see. I'm making this happen. <laughs> Um, it's going to be way bigger than too busy to flush. Okay. We'll, we'll think about that. Um, so before we get into the substance of what I was planning to talk about tonight, um, I had a really big milestone in exercising yesterday. I haven't really talked about this here or even on Instagram anywhere, but around mother's day, I... In fact, it's actually this jacket that I'm wearing right now. This mm-hmm. yoga flexi, really comfortable thumb holes jacket. I had a mm-hmm. jacket similar to this, just a like one layer, like kind of butter fabric, stretchy zip up that I bought at Costco when I was nursing Titus because I thought it would be super nice to have something I could just zip down. And particularly, he was born in the winter, so I could wear a nursing tank underneath it, just zip it down, nurse him, and then just wear it around. It lasted all four kids and some I maybe it was a little over a year ago or almost a year ago 
the zipper broke on it. Like the metal actually just broke right off of it. Um, and I had to throw it away. And I added this to my Amazon wish list, and my mom apparently stocks that, which I didn't oh, realize. And so she she buys stuff for me off of it for like the last <laughs> birthday and the last Christmas. And then for Mother's Day, she I there's there's a food blogger that I follow that had linked really liking this brand, so I'd added like a jacket and some yoga pants from that brand mm-hmm. to my wish list, and my mom bought it for me. And in the size that I would normally expect to wear, mm-hmm. I could zip it. But it was like the pockets were like pulling out and it was like it was a it was a stretch literally to get it zipped. And I was like, I look terrible in this for one thing. And it just kind of triggered a like my posture is bad because I don't exercise really at all, but especially don't exercise my upper body and what exercises I am doing, I'm not getting results from and um Summer was hard to manage diets, partly because it was like COVID stress eating and we're stuck at home. But also we spend so much time at the cabin that it's like literally s'mores every night. Um, Plus Mike's Hard Lemonades, which we drank in bulk this summer. So So good, though. You know, like two Mike's Hards and one or two s'mores will really make it hard to make a yoga jacket zip over your belly but so marking this at mother's day when i got this jacket i decided to do a burpee challenge that i had actually seen somebody doing online and just kind of made up my own and i think the first time i did it i could do like seven and did you know as many as i could for a while and I feel like I remember texting you while you were at church running the live stream before I was going back Mm -hmm. to church that I had accomplished like 20 or something. And then I started deliberately going up by five at a time. Um, And the summer was kind of two steps forward, one step back, because up at the cabin at 6,300 feet, it's hard to do the same amount of exercise that you're doing in Billings at 3,000 feet and plus on a bumpy floor or in, you know, in ground. So, um... Went up five five at a time as I could, and then I started hitting a point where I was like, you know, percentage-wise, going up 10 at a time is not that much of a stretch. But yesterday, I did 100 burpees. You know, I've been waiting for the right opportunity to tell you this, and I think this is the right opportunity. Your butt is looking juicy. You tell me that all the time. You haven't been waiting at all. (laughs) (laughs) You tell me that every time I wear tight pants. (laughs) But but thank you, because as you remarked yesterday, the fact that I don't look like a frog that's been stood up. In that was your own pants. comment. That was Actually, your own comment. That I, in pants. That I was your own comment got, I did ago. not come up with that on my own. Addie said that her sister self-described like that. One of her sisters uh. was at that point really thin. But, um, but yeah, no, I come from a family line with no butts and... Apparently, it's not all genetic. There's some nature and some nurture. Yeah. Well, you know, I'm working on getting my garage gym done, but I've spent the last week trekking up and down hills at about a thousand feet at a time or 500 feet or whatever it is all around the backcountry. My knee feels awesome. So I'm really happy about that. So I'm looking forward to getting shredded. Yeah, I'm doing some ACL recovery stuff. And it's kind of ski prep ACL recovery stuff. So that's. That's fantastic. Yes. Um, you should actually tell your friends what yoga pant brand you wear, those gray ones that I like so much. It'll make all their husbands and boyfriends happy. Those are 
Old Navy. There you go, kids. But no, no, the, it's a st- like that now. What that's a pretty standard yoga pant style because it's got a really high waist, like well above the belly button. So it's almost like straight down from your ribs. It just and it's really hard to get a muffin top. You know, it just it just puts your puts your butt at the right angle. Like it just gives it the right shape. It's just right there. Yeah, like, they might be like, like those ones. They might, what you're wearing now that you worked out in oh, is these like, are eh. these are leggings. These yeah, aren't like that. Did, dude, not but these shaping. yoga pants. The yoga pants are like shaping. Shaping. Oh, yeah. They shape. Yeah. <laughs> Last time I was at Goodwill, I was not shopping for myself, so I didn't buy any of this. But the Goodwill selection of used yoga pants, like even name brand ones, is really good. So I'm going to, next time I go there, I'm going to shop for myself. Um, Okay, so if you guys listened to last week's episode, Molly wanted to talk about what uh, books we're really vibing on right now. And I went on an entire 45 minutes on why I like Anthony Ryan's. Raven's Shadow and Raven's Blade novels, um, in addition to a short story fiction. But tonight, and we ran out of time, so Molly's gonna um, give us what she's been vibing on here recently. And I haven't—I don't even know what she's reading these days because we never talk. We have too many kids. <laughs> Speaking of which, <laughs> not on purpose. Um, <laughs> so I have this article that I—I'll send you the link to about. It's called "If You Want to Fall in Love with Anyone, Do This," and it's a series of questions that mm-hmm. a s- team of psychologists developed, and they—they they grow kind of like the frog in the pot in terms of intimacy and self-revelation. So first, it's like, "What's your favorite color?" and then pretty right. soon, by question forty-six, you're like spilling your life story, um, and it's designed to take people on a blind date and jumpstart the relationship or see if mm. these scientists could jumpstart a relationship. And then the end of the experiment is staring the partner in the eyes for four minutes. And like this group of gals I was talking to about it last night, we were all like, that seems really, first of all, like some kid is going to scream in the middle of that. And second of all, we could never pull that's that a off. really long time. I mean, it's a really long time, but, um, and then I realized like, I don't actually really look you in the eye that much even for 20 seconds at a time let alone that's because you're so short you're usually looking at my nostrils i 100 percent agree with that actually (laughs) but we're also so busy that you know i suppose we look each other in the eye when we go out on dates all the time all the time i don't know unless i get distracted and i'm like squirrel yeah um so anyway i have been i saw on a facebook page that i'm a part of somebody was talking about integrating art um or whatever love of the arts that you have into your everyday life and somebody recommended edith schaefer who was francis schaefer's wife um this book the hidden art of homemaking it used to be called just the hidden art and then several editions in they added on the hidden art of homemaking Hmm. but i kind of wish i think because they felt like it was more descriptive of what was actually happening but then when you say the hidden art of homemaking it sounds like it's a book for women yes um but she did not intend this as a book for women she defines hidden art as the art which is found in the minor areas of life by minor i mean what is involved in the everyday of anyone's life rather than his career or profession each person i believe has some talent which is unfulfilled in some hidden area of his being and which could be expressed and developed. And she's very, the the thing that I enjoy about this book is I'm not 
a great professional at anything in the arts. And she has these extremely practical, like almost overly pedantic, like do this, do this. Here's how you could do this. Like, um, um, setting out, what is it? She has one about like interior decoration and she's like, make anywhere you go feel like home. So even if you're staying in a hotel on your honeymoon, bring a tablecloth and bring some candlesticks and bring like a little vase and buy a flower at the corner place. And, and then wherever you go, you lay out the same tablecloth and the same candlesticks and the same vase and get a local flower to put in it. So wherever you go, you have this piece of home that you're creating. I'm like, that seems like a lot of, like, just seems like a lot of work that doesn't resonate with me in the least and also seems a little bit kitschy. Um, I guess the Schaefer spent a lot more time in hotel rooms than we did, so. He traveled a lot. Uh, yeah, and they both, they both traveled a lot, but, um, but she also, and she also talks very, very in depth about how they were super poor when they got married and how they made their first furniture and how some of that furniture was with them 30 years later. And so she's talking, you know, you don't have to spend a lot of money being very frugal and creative, not only can give your house flair, but also can last mm -hmm. for a lifetime. But, um, but she does have some that really resonated with me and I'm, I'm like halfway, well, a little, yeah, I'm not quite halfway through the book. I haven't gotten to food, which of course is a big one for me. Um, I suppose that I would consider that one of my bigger hidden arts, you know, remembering that hidden art is the minor, not professional capacity in which you're exercising. That's everything that I do. Your art. Is all hidden minor, art. not Well, not I mean, I guess I, so I appreciated this book um, because she, she starts out talking about, you know, very, very Francis Schaeffer-like. She lays out what is art an artist defined by the first artist, you know, capital F, first artist, who is God. And just some of her usually opening flowery chapters where people kind of go on and on in flowery ways about things like this don't really resonate with me. I tend to skim them, but a couple of things really captured my my mind like she's talking about how incredibly artistic and creative people had to be to even imagine going to the moon and then like how incredibly crazy it is that um that yeah, people actually were on the moon and other people watched it so here's a chapter for example the heavens declare his glory and they continue to declare his glory. They declared his glory in the time of the Babylonians. They declared his glory when, at the Tower of Babel, the language was suddenly different. Men could look up in their confusion of human language difference, and his glory was declared by what they could see, and they can understand to the extent of the knowledge they possessed at the time. Today, 500 million of us in the world could sit before television sets, whether rented for that special night in little mountain chalets, or in great mansions and palaces, whether in tier upon tier of flats or apartments, or out in the middle of Trafalgar Square, and watch the heavens declaring the glory of God as man stepped down on the moon. If only people realized it, they were watching a declaration that the artist who had designed the moon in the first place 
had not made any miscalculations. His glory was being declared. I just like that sentence, that the artist who first made the moon had also calculated perfectly all of the information that people would need in order to get to the moon. Um, but... Um, I find all that stuff really fascinating. You know, science... Even today I was talking to somebody about <clears throat> blockchain. Everybody's heard of cryptocurrency, but, you know, that's kind of like a byproduct of blockchain, of blockchain technology. And that wouldn't... That was recently discovered. It was actually something that never existed before modern computing. And it just... It, it's like a whole new thing. Like, it's just... It's m kind of mind-warping to think about. Or even the human body. No matter how... Everything is so synchronous with itself, with, with, with everything else, that, you know, I'm convinced that no matter how far or hard geology, uh, geneticists try to go into the human body there will and examine its structures, go. there will always be somewhere else to go. And that, that kind of stuff is because we have an infinite God. But we also have, like, the creativity that... that you know, prompts people to even want to look at these things and think on these things. And that to me is like, man, this yeah, world the, the is so that complex. Our brains were made in the image of God that we want to explore and right. plumb the depths of, of, you know, and the fact that the fruit of God's mind, but it's kind of, you know, and there's also the kind of the element of, <coughs> of kind of God allowing a, a progress or a progression in human development as a species is his creation you know, he created animals, plants, the earth, light and dark, and humans, and that that's all we're told in Genesis. He didn't create tablets and computers. He created us with the capacity to create tablets and but computers. But in his mind, he in his knew mind, that blockchain exactly. would be created. Exactly. Who knows where this thing is going? You know, is he, does he, and this, you know, I believe personally that God has created a world for us to explore and enjoy and, you know, take space, for instance. You've got Elon Musk, who's now contracting with NASA to take NASA astronauts to, to space, a commercial <laughs> company. You know, and it's like, that's wild. But we're fascinated by the stars, by the universe, by galaxies, by mm -hmm. other planets. What's beyond by us. What's beyond us. And I think, on the one hand, that desire to search and see what's beyond us is a, is a built-in desire to know God foremost secondarily he created us that way he created the world for us to explore enjoy and be curious about and you know so i you know and i just i love that because it fulfills me when i look up and go i want to travel in space sometime like that would just be <laughs> the coolest thing ever you know i don't think he would have put those things there if he didn't want us to like be curious about them and examine mm -hmm. them and try to even you know try to explore them and Give us the capacity to do so. Because, as she says, all of that is an exploration of his glory mm -hmm. and displays his glory. But I think also what I was thinking about while you were talking is all of those things. I don't know if you remember, there was a Sunday school class a couple years ago, an adult Sunday school class on Tim Keller's book, The Reason for God. Mm -hmm. But the elder who was teaching it very loosely based it on that and he was doing his own scientific thing and he he was talking about gravity and how incredibly finely tuned 
somehow the science of gravity is such that if it were even off by like this tiny fraction in either direction, we either would be smashed to the earth because we would be pulled in so hard or we'd be floating off into space. Mm -hmm. And the incredible precision with which the distance of the earth and the tilt of the earth and the mass of things and the dis you know, all of these things come into play. He was like, it is mind boggling that people think this wasn't done by a mastermind creator, that all of this could have happened by chance. But, um, um, I've been listening a lot to Ali Stuckey's podcast recently and she made in the, the interview, maybe I already told you this, that interview with the, I can't remember his name now, the skillet singer, the metal mm-hmm. singer. John Cooper. Yes. For some reason, I was thinking Cooper and I was like, no, that's Alice Cooper. Why am I thinking Cooper? No, John Cooper. Okay. Isn't Alice Cooper a Christian too? Uh, yeah. 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 I, I, okay. I don't know. I, anyway, I, I, I Alice, Alice Cooper, Cooper was a Christian now. I saw him open for Rob Zombie um, back was the last thing I did with Kirk before he died. Oh. Um, and that was right. That tour was right after he'd become a Christian. And I don't, I don't know. He probably is. He kind of fell off the radar after that. So oh, I don't really okay. Know well, anyway, John Cooper, mm-hmm. Skillet, um, went on this deep dive. I don't know if you know his story. He went on this deep dive into understanding theology mm-hmm. as he was seeing all sorts of peers publicly abandoning the faith and he was trying to figure out what is going on with them and he did this deep dive and continues to be kind of an apologetics cultural commentator in addition to um singer and so he did this interview with Ali Stuckey and she in response to him talking about how important it is that Christians stick to resist the postmodern urge to relativize everything that there is absolute truth and it's incredibly rebellious if you will to say that in our current culture where not only do we have postmodern relativism we also have critical race theory that is relativizing everything such that a white person's truth is different than a black person's truth and physics is white supremacist because it makes these truth claims that are only accessible apparently to white people, which anyway, um, so, so she makes the point. She's like, at this point in our culture, it is not, it is not, it's crazy to say this, but two plus two is a theological statement. And that's because we believe there's a God who made the world to operate in such a way and to not change. God is unchangeable and the rules that he set in place to, by which the world is run, i.e. like it spins on its axis, you know, he created math in his mind and made the world a predictable place where we can expect the sun to rise in the morning and we can expect two plus two to always equal four because that's just the nature of the world that God created. And so to say that two plus two equals four right now, though, in our culture is a theological statement because it's making a statement of absolute and universal truth that come from a creator God who created absolute and universal truth. I'm reading, um, I'm sorry, I'm listening right now to Eric Metaxas's 
Bonhoeffer biography, the biography on Dietrich Bonhoeffer. And I'm, it took me a minute to get into it. And I'm not really sure why, but I've kind of really fallen in love with where he's going. I, I originally wanted to start reading it because in a culture where, let's just say I see, I, I personally see a lot of parallels between Christians in America and Christians in oppress other oppressive cultures like Nazi Germany. We're obviously not far, not that far down, down the path by any stretch, but I still see some parallels and some, and, and it some didn't echoes. take Germany actually that long to get down that no, path, right? No, no. Interestingly, interestingly, the, the one, there's been a, there's kind of been something in the back of my head that's been bothering me for a long time about a lot of the church's response to some of this stuff. And um, it goes back to not keeping Christ at the core, not recognizing that in all of these little things, in all of these, in, in, in everything that we do, like it's showing God's glory. And at the center is God. At the center is Jesus Christ, the gospel, come to save. As I explained to my kids the other day, because a Halloween tract got it wrong, a genetically sinful human. The tract actually said, you know, sin is bad things that you do. And I'm like, mm, nah, no, no, not quite. <laughs> Aspect of, but, you know. Um, anyway, so I'm, I'm reading through this and seeing, and the, the niggle that's kind of been, I couldn't quite put a finger on it, but I think this has kind of helped coalesce some of this. Bonhoeffer's book has coalesced some of this for me. Um, the, the Nazi party spent a great deal of time um, trying to convert, not convert, but just co-opting the, the Christian conservative church mm. with their ideals. And to a large part, they were successful. And Bonhoeffer spent a lot of time saying, no, these things are not Christianity. These beliefs, these policies, these this is not Christianity. This mm. is Christianity is Christ. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we saw the same thing with the Church of England, the, you know, the, the marriage of church and state there that prompted, you know, our great United States. And so the concern that I've been, the thing that's been bothering the most is I see a lot of Christians losing the sight of God and all this stuff. You know, mm-hmm. we're talking about all this cool art stuff, all of the little things in the world, all of these things. And we, we get so fascinated by the thing, we, we lose sight of the actual creator. You know, and that's I really been really enjoying that aspect of of the Bonhoeffer biography right now. Um, How far again, along are points, you? I yeah. still have eighteen hours left. Okay. Well, because <laughs> I, I listened like, to oh. it, I'm, I'm in the 1930s. because okay, I can't actually remember how far I got when I was listening this summer. But now I just realized that since we share an Audible account, mm-hmm. I probably lost where I was. Cause oh. You're, but that's fine. I can I can skim and. Yeah, I mean, I'm, obviously, I'm listening to it. I recognize that I'm listening to it right now with a little bit of a bias because I'm going into it hoping, like, not hoping to hear, but, but, but framing what I hear around our current cultural context, mm-hmm. which is very, frankly, I think is very anti-Christian in the sense of the true Christian sense. You know, we're a very moralistic culture. But we're also very anti-moral culture. We're very anti. We're anti. I mean, we're a lot. A lot of extent, we're anti-Christian. We're anti. Um, you're yeah. either. You're either. You're either a moral Christian, 
or you're anti-Christian altogether. Your moralism is expressed through things like being green or being right. woke in other yeah. ways. Yeah, exactly. We are a very moralistic society. We've just redefined sin and salvation. To be what and... it is. Yeah, so my only point there is is kind of, you know, in in the aspect that you're talking about in Schaefer's book, all the little things in our discussions on science and galaxies, there's all these things that we get really excited about and we lose sight of the creator himself when all of this should theoretically. Yeah. I feel like it would be interesting if you if you picked up the book to read it because she's very um, she's very tries to at least if my impression of it is is pretty Christ centered. For example, she says we have to recognize that we're finite people. Like you read, I've got all these ideas further on in the book. It's a chapter on all these different topics like interior decorating, food. Music, art, and drama. It's all my jam right there. And she, well, and she, but she's like, look, you're a finite person. You have a lot to do. Don't expect yourself. You're not the creator God who does everything perfectly. My goal mm. here is to encourage you as a Christian to seek excellence. She says, um, of course, something's being neglected every day in your life. That's the finite bit of humanity asserting itself. But a Christian people, above all people, should live artistically, aesthetically, and creatively. We are supposed to be represented the Creator who is there and whom we acknowledge to be there. Remember, Francis Schaeffer is the God who is there. That was one of his big book titles. So the Creator who is there and whom we acknowledge to be there. It is true that all men are created in the image of God, but Christians are supposed to be conscious of that fact. And being conscious of it should recognize the importance of living artistically, aesthetically, and creatively as creative creatures made in the image of the creator. Um, but so she basically is like, we don't const- we don't drop everything and concentrate on being great artists. We look for little ways to use self-discipline and integrate these into our day. One that I thought was um, particularly kind of funny and pointed to me was uh, the first thing that she integrates or talks about is painting and school no music is the first one which kind of cracked me up because it's um like we just music in our house for me is playing music on youtube while the kids are around and stuff but she's um some of so some of what she talks about is just so beyond what i can imagine doing (laughs) like you know hey there's this guy who plays bach on the piano to relax so he brought a piano into his office at Libri so he could relax you know it's like yes that is one form of living artistically um (laughs) but um but then she so so she this chapter two is painting sketching and sculpturing and so she she says things like first of all be satisfied with the fact that your art may be never be seen or accepted by the world as anything great but you can enrich your day-by-day life with art and for the people with whom you live. So, for example, um, you could paint murals on your wall. Eh, probably not. You know, although you know, she's painting murals on your children's walls. And I have friends who have, like, beautiful mountains. Your mom does that. Walls. I can't paint yeah, to save true. my life. I can't draw um, a picture to save my life. But she says, like, you could write a letter to your friend and add, like, a fun doodle or something... So it's aesthetic as well as just a letter, which is more accessible to me. But then this one cracks me up because 
I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read it to you and see if you have the same thought that I... Well, maybe you won't have the same thought that I have. You're a housewife with masses of things to get done in a day, or you work and then come back to an apartment or house and have cooking and housekeeping to do in the evenings, and even on your, quote, days off. Everyone needs a list of things to be done today, or things to be done before the end of the month, or things to be finished before summer. There are shopping lists, lists of improvements to make in the house, lists to spur one on to more efficient living, lists including diet and exercise to lose unwanted weight, lists of letters that need to be written, lists of what to plant in the garden and when. What could be a better outlet for a sketching talent than decorating such lists with artistic, colorful, or amusing sketches? Lists that are decorated with black and white sketches or with a variety of colored felt pens come alive for you and help you to spur, spur you on to do what is listed, to say nothing of becoming a decoration for your kitchen or office bulletin board. The same sort of thing can be done with lists handed to someone else. Does that make you think of anything? Yeah, it makes me think of the bullet journal. Yeah, me too. <laughs> and, you know, like... That gal who, like, went way overboard. On, I like to do this. It's like, oh my gosh. If woman, you, you look up ridiculous. bullet journal on Pinterest, all you get is, like, you know, example doodles and example layouts mm-hmm. for this page or that page, the books I've read page. And when I contemplated starting a bullet journal, it was crazy overwhelming to me because i was like i don't have time to watercolor paint yeah. a monthly calendar and and yet <laughs> paint a monthly calendar. yeah well i mean if you look at some of the examples it's true one like person was like oh you can really use any notebook bar. and here's the idea first they divide this page i'm like it takes you four hours just to set up your journal i don't have that kind of time and then it takes hours to do every list but <sighs> so but but this actually kind of inspired me to be a little right. bit more artistic in mind mm-hmm. because i do literally look at it every day and it does become more interesting even like you know i use different patterns well for boxes you, and different colors i've seen pens. notes you know i've worked with you for a year before we got married and i've seen your notes anyway and I, you're always doodling i on doodle things, you know and that's, that's true but there's all sorts of fun things you but know. you know anyway that one that just kind of cracked me up because i was like that's i there was a page. Was this book written in the eighties? Oh no, Early this had 80s, to have 70s? been the seventies. Um, in my favorite. Shapers were big in the seventies. Uh, bigger in the seventies. Seventy-one. <clears throat> Seventy-one. Copyright yeah. seventy-one. In my favorite book, *The Supper of the Lamb*, there's a chapter, or there's a page that I can't call to mind right now, but I remember reading it, thinking, "He's predicting food blogging." <laughs> And, you know, which which was right. really big when I was reading that book for the first time in the early 2000s. Um, but here, I'm looking at this thinking, she's just predicted bullet journaling. Like, right. here's all of your lists, your to-do lists of things mm-hmm. to be done today, before the end of the month, by the summer, what you're planting, what you're shopping for, diet and exercise. You know, all these things that if you look up in a right. bullet journal, all these idea lists. And you know, she's basically like... You're looking at them all the time. Use some of your artistic skill and make it pleasant to look at and exercise that God-given creative itch that you have in in an everyday Well, I think it's I think fashion. it's proven. It's been proven. People still write on it anyway that you're in whatever environment you if you're pleased or comfortable with your environment for whatever it is you're doing, you're going to be more productive in it. So yes. the same thing would go. The same concept would would go with a, with a journal. If you're more comfortable and interested and engaged with your the visual aspect of your 
journaling environment, you'll you'll be more productive with it. And more likely to re-engage with that journal because it's something that you enjoy rather than just kind of a random list that you've jotted down on the back of an envelope, which I also do. But anyway, that's that's all I have. Because I haven't made it that far. I mean, I'm I'm like halfway into it, but um, she actually... This is kind of interesting. See these pictures? This is actually her handwriting. When she has grandchildren sitting next to her, had, this is in 1971, Mm -hmm. sitting next to her in church and her husband was preaching, she would illustrate the sermon as he preached so that the grandchildren, and she, this is one of those, I was talking to somebody about- Grandma Kitty? We no. have a job well, for you. Right. Not only can you draw. But could you imagine? <laughs> I mean, she must be have been doing this crazy fast to be adding all of these people and stuff. But what it, this that was one of those parts where I'm like, okay, so I can do the bullet journal <laughs> illustrated list. I don't think I'm going to illustrate an entire sermon for no, my but children. Your, your mom might. Probably not. I feel like she does better <laughs> writing words down to listen. She's Although so she good does, at drawing. She though. is good at drawing. And she does, I mean, she draws fruit or whatever for the kids, you know. Yeah. Oh, she drew a really pretty stained glass cross for Elise last Sunday. Oh, and Elise nice. colored it in because Elise wanted something with more precise lines than she could do. But that was like Rosaria Butterfield's book on hospitality kind of called was called to mind in this because Rosari Butterfield is one of those really extraordinary people who gets up at four or five Mm -hmm. in the morning and does hours of Bible reading before she gets up to homeschool both her biological children and her adopted children and her foster children while cooking literally several gallons of beans and rice on the stove every day for the masses of people who might show up at their house and she's got list upon list of and is on a tight budget because her husband's a pastor and so she she talks about how she integrates all of that but hospitality is her priority and it's kind of overwhelming even for someone who likes to have people over it's kind of overwhelming and so the the sermon illustration part to me was that same sense of okay I can do the illustrated bullet journal or even um you know write a letter or write us you know our kids don't get notes in their lunch boxes but find ways to integrate little drawings for the kids and things yeah um but probably not illustrate an entire sermon in real time That's <laughs> as we goes along. So, little ambitious. So anyway, cool people. Thanks for listening to us. If you've made it this far, wander. Yep. And if you like what you've heard, rate us five stars on on iTunes or uh, even I think you can do Spotify now too, um, or your favorite podcast player. You can find us at toobusytoflush.com, www.tb2f.com, and we have an Instagram account. We do have a Facebook account. But I don't use Facebook because I think it's of the devil. And Molly occasionally uses Facebook. So if you want to engage with us, Instagram is probably the better place to be. Um, That said, don't forget we have an online store with some swag. So you can support us by um, buying a t-shirt or rocking your favorite toilet bowl um, at your next party. And don't forget, people are weird and hard. We've got people weird and hard swag. Everybody wants to make that statement. It's true. 
even you guys are weird and hard. <laughs> but if we know you personally, we probably still love you because we also are weird and hard. Oh, yeah. The older we get, the weirder and harder we get. All right. That's it. I'm out. I'm JR. And I'm Molly. Have a great week, guys. Bye.